Take your Bible, please, your copy of God's Word, and turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Now this morning we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that's very, very familiar to you, uh, the parable of the sower. This is one of those passages of Scripture that you've known since you were in grade school. Your Sunday school teacher taught it to you, your vacation Bible school teacher taught it to you, and we're going to look at it again for profit. But let's hear now the word of the Lord as we read Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in this teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's give thanks. Father, we thank you that you have caused your word to be preserved for all time for the good of your church, for the purity of it. We praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. 
<clears throat> well, how, how good of a listener are you? It, it might de- depend on whom you ask, mightn't it? If I ask some of your wives, they might say you're not that good of a listener. Uh, you've probably heard these words before. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? Of course I am. Well, repeat it back to me. And you fail the test. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20, we're thinking about the difference between listening and hearing. Have you ever thought about that? That there's a difference between listening and hearing. In other words, as you know, not everybody who listens hears. You you think about maybe a a couple of guys who are walking through the woods and you, you are carefully stepping over some deadfall, some limbs or some trees that have fallen, and you're carefully stepping over and narrowly missed by the strike of a rattlesnake. And your friend turns to you and says, weren't you listening? Didn't you, didn't you hear the rattle? And you say, well, of course I was listening, but I did not hear it. There's a difference between listening and hearing and in this parable also we see the difference between those who hear or who, whose primary receptor uh, are their ears and then those whose primary receptor is their eyes. And we're reminded of one thing, that disciples of Jesus Christ strive to understand his word and bear the fruit of hearing. That's what a disciple of Christ does. He he strives to hear the word and to bear the fruit of what he hears. In in the context here, um, Mark is drawing a distinction between types of followers of Christ. So if you've read Mark's gospel, you know that, that as he goes along, more and more people are coming to him. And, and Mark, in his gospel, he's distinguishing between different types of followers. There are people who follow him and they hate him. So we'll see Pharisees who come all the way up from Jerusalem, 90 or so miles, just to try and bring shame on his ministry. And, and then there are people who follow him who want to feel better. They're hoping that Jesus might touch them, might do something for them. He might ease some physical pain. He might do something to make them feel better. And and they get that and then they go away. And lastly, there are the true followers of Christ. And so we see this in this whole section of Mark's gospel, this distinction between the types of followers and And he's asking us, in a real sense, what kind of a follower are you? He brings us, here in chapter 4, the first recorded sermon in his gospel of Jesus. And it is the parable of the sower. We are by the seashore, kind of a common theme in Mark's gospel. It is the place of discipleship. It's the place where he called his first disciples... And a large crowd gathers around Jesus as per the norm. Jesus stepped out into a boat 
And there gathered around him several thousand people there by the Sea of Galilee. He begins to teach them. He opens his mouth and he teaches them this parable. And he teaches us a couple of things. First of all, that disciples of Jesus, to be his disciple, you ought to strive to hear his word. Now, think about this, okay, for just a second. He has gone along so far and in his ministry has healed many people. And the folks who are gathering around him have seen him do miraculous things, cast out demons. He has taken a leper, grabbed him, and his leprosy left him. But of all the things that Jesus emphasized, now he says to the people, listen to me. You've seen, but the more important part is the hearing. So Jesus emphasizes now the hearing element. He emphasized hearing in his manner of teaching. Uh, Notice in the parable that there's a a sower who goes out to sow and he's casting seed. He reaches down into his bag and he casts the seed broadly. Um, In Jesus' day, the manner of sowing a garden was a little bit different in our day. So if you've ever planted a garden, you know that what you do is first you go and you till up your rows. Or if you uh, plant a raised bed, you put in the soil and you, you may take some measurements and you determine uh, if you need more nitrogen or more, more fertilizer, what you need to put in it to make sure that you give your crop the best possible foundation. Well, that's not how they planted in Jesus' day. The men, first, they would go out and sling the seed, and then they would come back and turn it under. So they were very liberal, do you see? And Jesus is emphasizing the need for proclaiming and hearing the word by using this illustration. He preached widely. In fact, Mark begins his gospel in verse 15 by saying, Jesus went out to to preach. He tells his disciples, I came to preach so that people might hear. We're reminded from Romans chapter 10, aren't we? That faith comes by hearing. Um, I was watching a a friend of mine on Facebook this week, and he was reminding uh, folks in his church that he, he said, listen, A lot of people are begging for miracles. They would say, my faith would be bolstered so much if I could just see a miracle. But we're reminded that faith doesn't come from miracles. Now, your faith is a miracle given to you by the Holy Spirit, but faith comes from hearing. Faithfully hearing the gospel preached. You might say, well, didn't Jesus go to the synagogue? I mean, didn't he go where he thought the soil might be fertile? He went to the synagogue. Didn't Paul go to the synagogue? That was his habit to go there. Well, of course he did, because that's where the people gathered. Even there, he's scattering the seed broadly. Wherever a multitude might gather, there he preached. Because the emphasis is on hearing the word. So he emphasized hearing in his manner of teaching. He is the sower. But Christ also emphasized hearing 
in his command. Did, did you notice that when he told the parable, there were bookends? Look at it again with me. Verse 3. Listen. He, he tells the people, listen or hear me. And then again in verse 9. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So he's telling the people right there at the very beginning, you've got to listen. Open your ears and hear what I have to say. Receiving the seed is the point of the parable. And so my question for you this morning is, do, do you view listening to sermons, this part of our service, as a passive part? A lot, a lot of us can, right? This is the part where I sit back and the preacher does his work. And I listen and I determine if, is he going to give me a quiver in my liver this morning? Is he gonna make, am I going to get that zinger, that one line that I can go on Facebook and I can post and say, everybody, think about these particular words. Do you think about listening to sermons as passive? Do you view a good sermon as one that moves you? Gives you kind of a, a, a good feeling, perhaps? What if you viewed listening to sermons as an active part of worship? Would that make any difference in what you're doing right now? Taking these words in listening to them, processing them, doing something with these words, would it make a difference to you in the way that you sit under the preaching of the word? One of the things that I appreciate about our larger catechism is in questions 159 and 160. And I encourage you to go and look at this this afternoon. In Westminster Larger Catechism, question 159, it asks this question, how is the word of God to be preached? And it gives six responsibilities. But here's the other one. In question 160, it said, how is the word of God preached to be heard? Do you know how many responsibilities it gives? Six. And there's a beauty. Because what the writers of the Westminster Catechism are telling you is that there's an equal responsibility in the preaching of the word and in the hearing of the word. Isn't that spectacular? This is an active part of our worship. Taking in the word, listening to it, and receiving it. And why do we think of it as an active thing? Well, one, because I recognize that every time a sermon is preached, there are two agents working against me. The one is the devil, who moves about like a roaring lion. He hates the fact that you listen to the word of God preached. And he's actively trying to remove the word from you. But there's another agent that is working against you. It's a secret agent. It's your flesh. Every time the word of God is preached, your flesh wants to recoil. 
It wants to cower back. It wants to hide in the corner. It wants to let things pass over and through so it doesn't have to apply what the Word says. So we're reminded here of the importance of listening and being a good listener. And so we have to train ourselves. Train ourselves to hear the Word. And we'll talk about some practical ways to do that in just a minute. But Jesus in his parables, also he demonstrates our deafness. You know, naturally you and I are not good listeners. We're not good hearers. That's because we exist under the curse. That's why our flesh recoils at the word that is preached. Hearing, hearing doesn't come naturally to us. A lot of wives right now would say, Amen. <laughs> But I want you to think about something here. When Jesus preached this parable and he told this story, the majority of the people who were gathered on that seashore, having no understanding of what he had just said, turned to each other and said, hmm, that was a nice story. Now what's for lunch? And so a small group gathered to him and said, we just want to be honest. I have no clue what you were talking about. What does this mean? Help us to understand. And Jesus revealed something very important to, to, to the disciples and the small group that was gathered around them. He said to them, listen, understanding has been given to you. But to everyone else, the message comes in a parable. You know, we learn early on in our Sunday school classes and vacation Bible school, we say, well, why did Jesus teach in parables? Well, Jesus taught in parables because he's taking a heavenly message and he's putting it into an earthly form so that people could understand. That's not why Jesus taught in parables. In fact, you, you understand that when Jesus speaks to the disciples here, in verse 12, he quotes... From Isaiah chapter 6. And when God called Isaiah in chapter 6, he sent Isaiah out and he said to Isaiah, Isaiah, you're going to preach and you're going to preach and you're going to preach and no one will listen to you. What a calling. <laughs> Don't you know that Isaiah just went forth with a pep in his step knowing he's going to preach and preach and preach and nobody's going to listen. Jesus preached in parables to demonstrate the deafness of the people's ears. That Israel were hard of heart and they didn't want to listen to what he had to say. And this demonstrated in this picture that here we have this story told in which there is truth but which required more understanding. And only a fraction of the people actually came and said, tell us more. You think about a small child who wants to please his mom and dad. And so he bakes them breakfast one morning using extra flour and extra salt maybe. And then he brings them a meal and it tastes horrible. He, he thinks he knows how to please his parents, but he's never asked them how to do it. But we can't live that way as Christians. 
If you want to please your Lord, you must listen to him and be an active listener. So the question comes, how do I know if I listen well? How do I know if I'm doing it right? And we find the answer to that in Jesus' answer to the parable when he actually explains what all of these things mean. The second point then is this, that disciples of Jesus strive to bear the fruit of hearing from verses 13 to 20. Jesus teaches us that there are four types of hearers. And I wonder if you'll find yourself in any of these four types of hearers. There are those who are never affected at all. Okay, This is the individual who sits under the preaching of the word, who walks outside and before the door to the car is closed, has forgotten everything that he has just heard. There's no change. There's no growth. And so in this we're reminded, listen, that hearing, hearing is not just a physical exercise because right now many of you, you're hearing the words and the sounds reverberate off these walls. It's going in, but is it reaching the soul? It is the Holy Spirit who makes us true hearers. So there are many, many who will sit under the preaching of the word here and in the community around us, they will hear the word preached and they will go away as if they had heard nothing at all. That's the case for the unbelieving heart. But there's a second group. There are those who are not affected at all and then those who are, who are affected temporarily there are those who receive the preaching and and maybe they're pricked to their hearts maybe they're convicted deeply and they go out of the church building right and they're they're rejoicing in the lord thank you for this good word they've they've had some experience of of change but as soon as there's a hardship in life everything they heard dies we find that their faith is based on circumstance not on Christ there recently you've probably heard the story of a a gentleman by the name of Josh Harris Josh Harris was very popular uh, when Michelle and I began dating and he wrote a book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye Um, it was a bestseller. And many, many multitudes of Christians took that book and they began to model their their relationships on this. And they said, we're not going to date. Josh Harris has counseled us not to date. We're we're just going to court. We're going to enter into a courtship type of relationship. It was extremely popular. And Josh Harris went on to be the pastor of a mega church. And here, just in the last year, Josh Harris has denied the faith. Why? Because renouncing homosexuality is unpopular. 
and he's denied the faith. This is what Jesus is pointing to in this parable. There are those who will receive the word, and we don't know how, how long is the temporary. Is it a year? Is it a week? Is it 20 years? At some point, the worry and the, the hardship of life will destroy the fruit of that seed. Then there are others who are affected temporarily. Those whose fruit is destroyed by worldly worries. The allure of ease, of wealth, of power removes them from Christ. And lastly, there are those who are affected for eternity. These are those who hear the word. They, they remember the example of Christ in what he has said. Hear, listen, tune your heart to hear what I am saying to you. They remember his example when he said to the Lord, to do your will is my meat and drink. They hear it and they accept it. You, you see, there's an activity here. They hear the word and they accept it themselves. They submit themselves humbly in obedience to Christ and they bear the fruit of it. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. Well, what's the fruit? What is the fruit that these folks are bringing forth? Well, whatever fruit is required of them in the Word. The fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience. All these things are, are coming forth from this believer in more and more abundance as they mature and grow. And so I would just say this to you, that a good listener can take an average sermon and produce a multitude of fruit. How do we go about doing that? Well, let me encourage you in this way. Before the sermon, during the sermon, and after the sermon. Before the sermon, prepare yourself. Remember that this is a spiritual exercise that you're coming, much like you would maybe to an exercise class. You Put on your certain wardrobe, you stretch out, you get ready, maybe you jog a little bit to warm up the muscles. You ought to think about sitting in worship and preparing for it in that way. It's a spiritual exercise. Therefore, what might you begin by doing? Maybe on Saturday night, you pray. And you ask the Lord to help you listen. Maybe you read the sermon text beforehand and you, you're preparing yourself to hear the word and to receive it. During the sermon, you're actively listening, right? You are thinking about what is being said to you, the propositions that are being made. Do you believe they come from the word? Is it accurate? Is it truthful? Maybe, as some of you do, you're writing it down. It's a good habit to get into... <coughs> to take these things down. Why? So that then after the sermon, maybe as a father, you gather your family around the lunch table and you say, okay, what did you get out of the sermon? And maybe you say nothing. What'd you get? What was the main point? And after the sermon, you say, okay, what are we going to do this week? How are we going to take the word that was sown in us and apply it? You see, before the sermon, preparing, during the sermon, listening, and after the sermon, working to bear the fruit of the word that has been sown in you. This is, 
This is what disciples of Christ do. They strive to understand the word and to bear the fruit of it. So I ask you, how well did you listen? What was the point of this sermon? How many sermons can you go back and remember how you're working to bear the fruit of those sermons? Of any sermon? Um, Since COVID hit, uh, many people have said to me, you know, I I actually take the time and I listen to multiple sermons uh, during the course of a Sunday. And, And that's a wonderful practice. You can go home, you can pull up YouTube, or you can pull up Sermon Audio or Facebook, and you can watch sermons from all over the place. You can worship with other congregations as the time goes on. But remember, it's not listening to the bunch of sermons. It's bringing forth the fruit of the ones you do hear. That's what's important. What changes did you make? What did you learn How are you going to live differently for the glory of Christ? Remember, brothers and sisters, by nature, your flesh hates the truth. It hates the word of God. It desires self-glory. And so I encourage you, as Jesus did to his hearers here, resolve to listen well. Amen. Let's pray. God and Father, we thank you for your word. And we, each of us, will confess that many times, more times than we would like to admit, we have sat and we have not been faithful listeners to your word. We have not labored to bring forth the fruit of it. We think about it for a few minutes after the worship service and then we don't go forward anymore. And we ask you to forgive us. And Lord, help us all to repent And to consider what a grace it is that you continue to raise up preachers of your word. Help us to honor Christ today by bearing fruit to his glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.